0: Hi, I'm Dave Ferguson, pastor of the Collegedale Church here on the campus of Southern Adventist University. Welcome to our podcast. We're going to explore today some of the relevant words of Jesus Christ in scripture, to my life, to your life. So enjoy the message. It is a delight to continue today into our series on commitment. Today, places, places. I, uh, I haven't been involved particularly with a, uh, with a movie production, but I know just a little bit about it. My son likes to tell me about it. He's very interested in these sorts of things. Uh, and, and so he tells me about the director's call. There will be a moment. Cameras are going to roll. Before that, sound is going to get started. And before that, everybody is going to be in just the right place, because the, the blocking has all been figured out. Everybody knows I'm supposed to enter from here. The crowd's already walking down the street. Whatever it is that's happening, and the director calls places, everyone, places, right? Uh, have you ever had a dream about some expectation that you were supposed to fill, but you got it all wrong? Like, uh, I've told you about the fact that every once in a while I would dream that I, I was enrolled in a class and am still in college and I haven't been going, and it's the end of the semester, in the dream. In, um, it's the end of the semester now, and I, haven't been, and I don't even know where the class is. The director calls places, and you know where you're going. You know where your place is. How bad, how bad a feeling when the director calls places, and you're confused, and you're not headed to the right place, or worse. Nobody's ever even told you where. You don't have, am I even supposed to be in this film? Today, as the director calls places, we're going to think through, we're going to test God, we're going to search scripture, we're going to take a look at where our place is. As we do, I invite you to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. If you don't mind, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I'm going to remind you because we're so anxious that you are involved with us. You see these banners. Connection Cafe starts today, today and the next two weeks to follow. So our family groups have banded together, and we've gotten a lot of church members ready to host Students, and we're going to be all, anybody who wants to go, visitors, if you've never heard about this, this is fine. You can come. Students that are here for Smart Start, please come. If you're a student that's here for another reason, not Smart Start, come. If you're a student not at Southern, come on talking about places when when we hit one o'clock 115 you go on into the gymnasium down right down the hill down the sidewalk and our connections cafe we're going to feed you a haystack meal and of course our church members know we're coming to sit with you so the first thing that happened is you'll be you'll be seated with a group of your friends and a group of our church members all together there now maybe you uh, are not involved a church member of ours but not involved yet with a group that is hosting students I hope you will just come and just let people know. I'd love to get involved. Maybe you didn't get a sign up in or something like that. Tanya Jansen is our master of circus ceremonies down there, and she'll help connect you up. And I also have to apologize about something. (coughs) It has come to my attention. I don't know why I turned my head away from you exactly, but it seemed polite. (coughs) It's just come to my attention, and just the language of it, I just beg your forgiveness. It's possible because I've been using the language families, families grouping together, and while technically correct, a person who is single is indeed still a family unit. I could see why you might think, wait, I don't think, I guess I don't have a spot here. Oh, no, 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 no. We welcome you. If you have wanted to get involved, maybe you've got a group of single friends that you want to band together, four or five of you, (coughs) and go ahead and lead a group. Yeah, I'm going to make my way to the water as I talk to you about this, It's possible, though, that you don't even know who to connect with. I want you to know, you find your way to the gymnasium today, make it known that Tanya Jansen or somebody there looks official. (laughs) You see me, come tell me. We're going to hook you up and connect you in to our family groups. It is intended for everyone. We don't mean to exclude you, and I'm so sorry that I might have used language that would make you feel that you're not invited. Yes, you are. Absolutely. We're so glad that you're here, and you're going to take part in that today. So... We are now marching through a series. Last week, we talked about the mission of our church and a commitment to a corporate mission. This week, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'll tell you right up front that we are targeting an idea of the building of our community around small groups. We'll unpack that little by little as we move forward but I, I just want to be upfront about that as we enter into our discussion through the book of Ecclesiastes and chapter 4. So we find it here on the screen. You've found it in your Bibles there, the seventh chapter. Again. I saw something meaningless under the sun. Have you been tagging under the sun onto any of your statements? I recommend it. Gordon, I listened to a book, it was the best book, Under the Sun. I don't know what you'd make of this Under the Sun statement or tagline. It's kind of like, okay, so look, here's the deal. I married the prettiest girl under the sun. I mean, anywhere the sun shines, whatever day you can think of that sun hit earth, that all that place. It's like saying the most. I mean, I can't think of anything more than this the most meaningless thing under the sun, meaningless, maybe a good translation would even be foolish, ridiculous, I, I can't even believe what I'm looking at. I could go out any day and I wouldn't find anything that made less sense to me. What is it? Oh, writer of Ecclesiastes, it's got you wound up like this, so meaningless under the sun. Well, here's the statement, there was a man all alone, and ladies, it's not the word man that's the focal point here, <laughs> It's the word alone. It goes on in verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man, pity the woman who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And as you and I recall it, a cord of three strands is not quickly or easily broken. And in that moment, we realize that all along, as God says, one alone foolish, two together brilliant, the math of God, when He says two together, He means three. Because if you and another person together All of this he means to bathe with his presence, making a three-stranded cord that is tied together, not this ridiculous thing of going it alone. So we dig deep, we ask questions, and we discover our place. Places, everyone. We're going to pray about it one more time and then dip into the book of Matthew. Lord God, bless us. Bless us as individuals. Bless us as a body of believers. Bless us, those of us that come in here. Lord, our family, regularly here together, we are so thankful we get to be a part of one another's lives. I pray you would call us forward and deeper into communion with each other and with you father our students smart start students other students college students high school students students as we're gearing up and wandering right on in turning the corner into another school year wondering whether we will succeed how will this go wondering if we have a place oh may we find our place here in your body for that visitor who made it here, maybe as a family, maybe alone. Lord God, would you please help us to see one another well so that no one might leave here ungreeted, unwelcomed, unloved. Maybe there's somebody who didn't even make it here today and is watching the live stream and wishes ah, that I could make it out, or maybe has decided this isn't a place that they want to be physically just to watch, Lord, draw us to You. Help us to find our place in You, and in so doing, be Your body on earth. We would love it that You could show up in this way. So bless us through Your Word. Amen. Well, you're going to turn now with me to what will be home base for our discussion, our digging. It's Matthew chapter 13, and Matthew chapter 13 starts, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. I hurry to say that when Jesus goes out of the house and sits by the lake, it's a very different experience than when I go out of the house and sit by the lake. Because people have been watching Jesus. People have been talking about Jesus. He has healed the sick. He's healed whole towns. He speaks in a way that others would say, we've never heard anyone talk this way. So there is a low rumble, and he steps out of the house and sits by the lake, and people begin to gather, and they gather, and they gather, and it is a crush of individuals around him, so much so that he can't quite even maneuver, wanting to impart something to them, tell them stories is what he'd like to do. And so, as the Bible continues to describe, he he makes a quite uh, bright acoustic decision The second verse says, Such a large crowd, such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, and while the people stood on the shore... He told them many things in parables, in stories. So he gets out on a boat, and just a little out from shore, and the sound waves can bounce off the water, and he can actually look around and not just be crowded in upon. and he can make it. And he's telling stories, one after the other after the other. But the first one is one that you know probably decently well. A farmer went out to sow his seeds. How many of you are summer camp campers? Anybody by a raise of the hand? You've been to summer camp, I remember, back in the day. You probably have to be somewhat elderly like me to remember this song, The Sower. Do you remember the song, The Sower? Yeah. The Sower, The Sower. Right, yeah, we echo back and forth. It's a song with four, four lines that come right after each other with, separated by the echo part, each line telling only barely more than the previous line. The Sower, The Sower, went out to sow... Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. I got the sower. Went out to sow. To sow some seeds. Okay, yeah, so we're not making clothing. We're, you know, we're sowing, yep. To see if it would grow. Makes sense. That's why you do it. The sower goes out to sow. And as you recall from the song or from the word, as you recall, it lands four distinct categorical places. Do you remember them? Oh, we'll just read it to refresh our memories. He told them many things in parables, verse 3, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he scattered his seed, by the way, as he's talking, their voice cascading across the water, through the crowd, and along to the hillsides in the distance where they could see a farmer casting seed. The sower, the farmer, goes out to sow, and he casts his seed, and some... Fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. So that's one, fell on the path. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, had a little bit, not much. It sprang up quickly, became the soil because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no roots. So we have the path, too hard. The birds take the seed. We have the rocky areas with a little bit of soil, they're not going to withstand the scorching sun. Other seeds fell among, in verse 7, other seeds fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on the good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. So whoever have ears, let them hear. Do you remember? So you have, the, you have the pathway, no growth there at all. You have, uh, you have the rocky places, a little bit of growth, something happens. The second place. Some, some growth actually occurs, but it can't withstand the sun, the scorching heat. And then the third is with the thorns, and it grows a bit. might might do all right, but the, but the weeds and the thorns choke it out, and then finally there is a great place to grow with wonderful topsoil, but also depth of soil, right? Well, Jesus, a little later, Verse 18 says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown into their hearts, this seed sown along the path. So the first group, this group of individuals that might receive an opportunity to take in the presence of God, a relationship with God, but the heart is hard, they are not willing, they're not interested, it never takes any root whatsoever, some of us understand and know well relationships where we've tried and we've tried and we've tried but it's like a it's like a, a well almost nearly concrete hard dirt path where the seed sits on top but it's easily picked off by the birds and gone and there's no conversion there's no growth whatsoever all three of the remaining scenarios involve some level of growth you'll notice right Verse 20, the seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the Word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time, and when the trouble or persecution comes because of the Word, they quickly fall away. So here we have somebody who actually is converted, actually says yes to Jesus Christ, probably baptized in the waters of baptism. But it's not deep. It doesn't stay strong. It dies. The third group is somewhat the same. We find it moving on to verse 21 or uh, 22. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the Word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the Word, making it unfruitful. And then, finally, the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the Word, understands it, takes it in, and cultivates it deeply. I want to suggest to you that there is an interesting power to this metaphor that speaks to our concern for today. As we talk about commitments, and my, I won't be cagey with you, by the time we're all done, you're going to hear me ask you, would you make a commitment to engaging in the spiritual growth that comes from gathering in smaller groups, not just coming to worship in large event. And I think that there are some interesting clues to spiritual health and spiritual growth that are housed right here in this parable that have to do, possibly, maybe you call me crazy by the time we're done, but have to do with the interactions that can happen in small groups. I'd like to talk to you about it. So, this first group really, I, I realize there, there are likely are people in here who are like the path that is hard. You're here by habit. Maybe you're here because of somebody's invitation that you want to be with them, but you, you haven't actually received Jesus Christ, and it's in the midst of just being stolen away. This idea of following Jesus is, is, is dissipating and leaving you, and it's not going to be here much longer. That's possible, and if so, boy, I, I just would say to you, please, please lean in close. for those of us that are fearful about loved ones of ours that may be there, I tell you, our one grand, great hope is to hold the hand of our dear loved ones, our friends, our neighbors. Just hold on tight. Hold on to to the hand of our friends, our loved ones, and they may not be walking with Jesus, but if they will hold my hand while I hold the hand of Jesus, they are so close to walking with Jesus. Just hold on. But really, we're going to focus not even on that fourth category, those who have a deep, deep journey with Jesus and it's going well and it will withstand the scorching sunlight, it will withstand the trouble of the thorns and the weeds that choke, we're, not, we're going to spend our time on those middle two categories for a minute. If you don't mind, we're going to talk about it. The first of those two categories, that second category, the rocky soil. It has topsoil, just enough little soil there that it can actually germinate and grow, and it starts to send the roots, and normal growth starts to happen, but it, it hits kind of a, a threshold. It can't go any deeper. can't go any further, and all it takes is for the sun to come out. Everything looks fine, although it might be stunted. It might not be growing up big and strong. It might not be... It might not bear fruit, in fact, because it can't, and the sun comes out, and it it disturbs it. I don't, I remember uh, vividly as a sophomore, freshman, it was between my freshman and sophomore year of undergraduate school, some of you have heard me tell a story, I ended up in just the right circumstance, in an interaction with Dr. Jack Blanco, it just fills me with the delight every Sabbath, like this morning, that I get to shake that man's hand, because his walk with Jesus, he was holding Jesus' hand, and then he held mine, and it changed my life. And in an interaction a few steps along the way, I ended up being a student missionary on the island of Madro. Now, I went out onto this island of Madro. You should understand, Madro is an atoll. The easiest way to understand that, it's the tip of a volcano that barely sticks up above the water. Now, some low points don't actually make it above the water. In fact, not much of it's sticking up out of the water. It'd be like if you took a cup and submerged it in a bathtub, but just had the rim sticking up out. It would look like there's there's a big area of water in the middle. That'd be called the lagoon, area of water on the outside. That's the ocean side area. Well, this island is about 60 miles around, but only about 30 miles. One arch of it could be uh, traveled upon without a boat getting to other parts of it. And in fact, at the widest portion of the rim of the cup, the widest portion was about three-quarters of a mile wide. That's where our apartments were. But I could stand on my, at different spots in my apartment, and I could see about 20 yards to where the ocean hit the shore right outside our apartment. And I could see around the corner, and I could see the lagoon right over there, just three-quarters of a mile. The highest point on the island was the bridge that went over the canal where ships, smaller ships could go in and out. It didn't take long, about a month, a little bit more, and I started experiencing just this feeling of being cramped in. Some of you have felt it in a cabin, a series of rainy days when you were supposed to be outside, and there are only so many times you can play that game. Cabin fever, island fever, and I was starting to feel stuck there. Uh, At that time, and it's pretty close still, the, the island, which if you walk off the island anywhere into the ocean side, there is a shelf, a reef shelf that slowly, gradually slopes, and then it comes to the wall of the volcano, and it just drops away just drops away, and so we'd go out snorkeling, and you'd be snorkeling along, and it's beautiful, and all this is going on, but the waves, if you get past the waves very far, it's right about the part where the wall would slope away and drop away, and you'd be dangling out over what you could see with about 200 feet of visibility, and it felt very awkward and weird, suspended out over this drop. One day, then a buddy of mine says, you know what we ought to do? We ought to take up scuba diving. There's a guy who will teach us. He's an he's a ex-Navy SEAL trainer. He's got a dive shop just right over here, and he'll, he'll certify us scuba diving. And we went scuba diving, and the world opened up. The beautiful colors of that seven degrees north of the equator, warm water, and the coral reefs and the fish that are attracted because they can hide in the beautiful color. Oh my goodness, it was amazing to go diving anywhere. and, And suddenly, it didn't feel so small. Suddenly, the world just opened up because we were not any longer just on the surface. We'd gone deeper. I want to recommend to you It can be very tempting to stay on the surface, but I believe it's God's call to us that we go deeper. It is a dangerous Christian experience and Christian life to have roots that only get down to the rock of just below the surface, the sun. It does not take long. If all you have for your spiritual experience is the occasional visit of God by coming to a worship service like this and listening to somebody else speak, sooner or later you'll be In an interaction with somebody smarter than you, smarter than me, who has a worldview that clashes up against your worldview that you haven't tested much, and all you've done is you've heard somebody else's experience from a distance, and the harsh sunshine of their criticism, critique, or challenging difference, and you've not built up any roots. You've been borrowing from somebody else's roots. I know. It can be a little bit of the reputation that we have here. It's, it's, it's a place to come and hear just amazing music, to hear good preaching, to, to watch a good program. And by the way, there's something very important about the topsoil. No diminishment of that. Jesus, in this very parable, will stand in a boat and speak to the masses. But there's something very interesting that we find that happens in this exact same parable. Notice it. At the end of the parable telling in the first part of Matthew 13, he says, whoever has ears, let them hear. And the disciples come to him, and they ask him this question. Why do you speak to the people in parables? Why are you telling these stories? We're looking around, and we're pretty sure people aren't getting it. And what they really need to say is, neither are we. We're, we're, why are you telling these stories? We're not very clear. By the way, spirit of prophecy says that Jesus spoke in these parables, in these stories, because they could house truths in ways people would remember, so that there could even be this time lapse, or kind of like an like an Alka Seltzer pill. I don't know. Do they still make Alka Seltzer? I don't know. But it's, it's something that you dropped in water. I remember the fizzing and so on, and it would dissolve over time. Right? That these parables could kind of hang from experiences that we have, like watching a sower on a hillside and walking along, some little child who was there that day, walking along and seeing some seeds on the pathway, and a bird scooped them up, and it would trigger a memory of what Jesus had said, and that over time they could grapple with and even come to understand things that were not immediately clear to them. So it makes a lot of sense to house truth in stories, but the disciples are asking a deeper question right now. None of us are understanding what's happening here, Jesus. These preables, we don't know what's happening The farmer went out to sow. Jesus replies, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. I ask you to think about that statement for a second, because if you think the disciples knew what Jesus was saying, like, look, I'm sharing all this information out in the public, but I'm really just talking to you because I know you're the ones who can understand. That's not true. Because in a few moments, as we said in verse 18, he's going to sit those very disciples down and say, okay, now listen, here's what this means. It is not that they understand any better than the rest of the group. The difference is that Jesus is going to be able to have time to get together in a small group with them, ask questions that they can understand, they can probe, they can put it back in their own words. The give and take. This is part of what Ecclesiastes is talking about in the ninth verse of that fourth chapter. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. I wonder if this writer of Ecclesiastes were pinned down and and you were made him to say, look, okay, so you told us what the very most ridiculous thing was under the sun. What's the second most ridiculous? I wonder if he would say, okay, first most ridiculous is that there's a person out there all alone. Second most ridiculous is there's a person out there only ever in huge, large crowds. Because that's not a good rate of return either. It can get something sparked. It can get something going. Jesus can use it But where the best growth goes deep is going to be in smaller settings, as Jesus will describe to them. Anyone who hears what's going on, that's great, but you are given a a deeper privilege because we're going to draw close, and we're going to work through these things together in this, this small group. And again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? got to tell you, as I read that, you know, I, I think to myself, okay, so I love coming home and sleeping in my own bed. My own bed isn't even really right unless my wife is right there, over there. I, when my wife is traveling, I can be in my own bed. I struggle getting to sleep at night. Some of you know this experience for yourselves uh, with your spouse. I, I struggle to get to sleep when she's not in. She can even be kind of in the house somewhere, and I can fall asleep. But But better yet, if she's right there in the bed. If you're in the bed, that's... I won't go to sleep at all that night, probably. (laughs) So I read this, and I'm kind of a little bit uh, uncomfortable. You know, too... Lie down together and they can keep warm, and it's like, okay, we get a little weirded out by that analogy. Although, if you're into any of these survivor shows or you were in the right kind of experience, I'm guessing we'd put away those concerns if it's saving our lives. Yeah. I'm guessing I'm not going to be all that concerned about whether you ate something with garlic when your body heat is going to, and, and what scientists suggest is the combination of the body heat, isn't. it's not just. There's something that happens. There's a, a thermal reaction with two human beings that that accelerates the heat there that won't happen otherwise. Interesting. And how about the metaphor as we move it further down the road? The idea that some of what we ought to think about won't actually be accomplished either by you alone or by me alone. It's not like just adding the sum of the two parts. There are things that happen. You know this. To be in a room with people, they say some idea, and it's a ridiculous idea. It's an impossible idea. Dangerous, really. Quite frankly, we could never afford it. But it makes you think of this other thing, and suddenly you're to another thing, and then a third person goes, oh, and you know what? And none of us would have got to that idea without each other in that kind of heat reaction of the exchange of ideas. And here's the truth of it right now, I am doing everything I can to make this feel like a conversation. But it's not, I am sharing ideas and you are not getting to. This is valuable, but it's shallow. It's not everything we would hope it could be. There is more. I love this quote by uh, Ralph, Ralph Waldo Emerson who says, conversation is the laboratory and workshop of the student. And for this purpose, I'm placing student category on all of us. In this journey with Jesus Christ, conversation is the laboratory of our growth. This is tremendously, the topsoil is an important bit, but to have the ability to go deep, I want to challenge you. If you have only been coming to church, I want you to try it. Please try it. Find it doesn't have to be on Sabbath morning, but what a wonderful thing that we've got this time that we're coming together anyway. Try Try to experiment, would you? with groups of people who are already coming together in smaller groups. Maybe you'll find one that's just right for you because of what they are studying or the kind of group that they are or how they like to interact. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll find yourself thinking, boy, I sure do wish there was one of these kinds of guys. Go- wish we could do something like this. Chances are strong there are five to ten other people who are sitting around thinking something very similar to you. Let's help do that. Let's try it, because it is a truth that our understanding of Jesus is deepened when we get to give and take together, when we get to synthesize our understanding. You know, I have to, as I stand here before you, try to figure out how do I button up all these thoughts as if now we've concluded all things in the world by the time we're done and we pray. A small group has the opportunity to wriggle into the soil and grow to a place. I I just promise you this. If the majority, if the meatiest your experience with Jesus ever gets is by listening to a preacher publicly, while that can stimulate the initial growth of the roots, and it can motivate us and help us understand a variety of things. I'm just going to suggest to you there will come a day when the sunshine of somebody else's questions are so great, you will not be able to stand it. And your worldview, shallow-rooted, will be very similar to not having one at all, pushed about by others. It's a perfect time to practice, to talk, to understand, and to gain ground as we gather together. And this is where community really can reside so completely. And then there are the thorny ground areas I want to take you to. If we recall again from Ecclesiastes chapter 4 in the 10th verse, if one falls down, his friends can help him up. But pity the man who has... Sorry, I just heard in my head the the A-team. Pity the fool who who falls down and has no one to help him up. You recall it here as we have read that those who are on the the soil that has the thorns coming up, they hear the Word in verse 22, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the Word. I'm going to suggest to you that living in this world is going to be difficult if you haven't experienced it yet. So many of us already have. And the religiosity and spirituality that can come from us gathering in these large groups is helpful, but it will not hold you. When your mother dies, when your marriage is tested or splits, when your son stops talking to you, when you lose your job, when things go horribly wrong, those who are walking with others in closer relationship than what we can possibly experience here. Do you know somebody walked in today deeply burdened and will walk home, so to speak, without having that spiritual need met. Because we can't, even as I talk this way about them specifically, they don't know if I'm talking about them. No, no. If this is the high point of our spirituality, it is not going to hold us together when the thorns come. And by the way, some of us only think of the thorns as the bad times. This suggests it can be the wrong good times. It can be fame. It can be fortune. It can be distraction. It can be a relationship that feels wonderful, but it's not the right timing or being done in the right way. And These things come to us and our surface soil doesn't hold us. But God has a plan. This is the beauty of it. God has a plan and it's for deeper soil. It's for us to grow together as a community. If you have not been coming at 10.30, but really just come at 11.45, don't hear me as a scolding voice. Hear me as a pleading voice. I think there's something you want. And it's right here. Oh, sure. And I I congratulate that. It can be any day of the week, and these things tumble out into all sorts of opportunities, but if you've not been experiencing it, you can know you can come 10.30. In fact, if you realize that there are treats and food over there, you might start coming at 10.15, (laughs) because by 10.30, who knows what's happened. If you aren't courageous enough, or that's a a harsh way to put it, if you just don't feel quite right yet, I encourage you to try this. Come, come into our south atrium and hang out and just talk to each other. You get to watch from a little bit more of a distance and see people interacting and maybe be drawn in, or maybe you'll discover there's a group of us, there's nothing quite right for us. Let's, Let's bring that up we could figure something out. By the way, right across the way here in our fellowship hall, if you haven't figured it out, our collegiate Sabbath school class is just spinning up, gaining ground, broken into small groups where you get to use, as Ralph Waldo Emerson would call it, the laboratory of conversation together. Very often during the school year, there will be a breakfast for you there. Right now there isn't yet, but you should get here just early enough. You just kind of walk around through here, around here into the south atrium, right about dead middle in the south atrium. There'll be grapes probably, and some fruit, and there'll be a, some, you know, banana bread, and, so, and you, you, can just keep, you can just keep walking around, and then you go through the skyway here. You're getting steps in, by the way. How good is that? And then by the time you get back right there, just try it. It's an opportunity to create friendship and hope and depth that can withstand the trials and the difficulties. I am just stricken with a couple of quick thoughts. First of all, you you read here in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, carry each other's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. I don't know how much bigger stamp of approval you put on something like that, but you want to fulfill the law of Christ. (laughs) Carry one another's burdens. That's very hard to do from where we sit facing in one direction. It's when we're face to face, eye to eye, heart to heart, sharing our burdens. And then finally this, We'll end with this. I love this story. Four friends. You remember last week we talked about four leprous friends who have a harebrained idea, and probably, as data suggests, it took four of them to get the courage. Not any one of them would have probably done this thing that they did together because they were egging each other on. Similar kind of thing here in Mark chapter 2. If you find it there, you flip a couple of pages And there in Mark chapter 2, a few days later, Jesus enters Capernaum and the people heard that he had come and they gathered in such large numbers. And this is a natural reaction to Jesus Christ, is to gather in large numbers. But the really good things happen in the smaller numbers. Such a big crowd, a big group, and these four are carrying their paralyzed friend. We don't know much about how he became paralyzed. We just know now he's coming, not by choice, but by their will. Maybe, he asked them, maybe they said, you're going. No, 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 no. Oh, sure, no, we're not. No, that's fine. We'll say we're not. As they begin their journey, they get there, and the crowd is surrounding, and they can't figure out what to do, and probably, again, because of the thermal reaction that happens when you have a few people talking about things, and then they come up with a crazy idea. What do you say we climb up onto the rooftop, and we, I mean, we could poke a hole. And again, because there are four of them, because they are together, because they are a small group already, they gain the courage to go ahead and try it. And now daylight is flooding into this room, crowded with people as Jesus is there. And don't you know it? God knows this is about to happen. Don't you figure that there's an extra smile in the voice of Jesus for a few moments as dust begins to kind of float down from the ceiling? And there he is being lowered down to Jesus by some mechanisms of the four on the rooftop, and he comes to rest in front of Jesus, I've got to suggest and figure smiling face, twinkle in the eye. And you recall how that story goes. In the fifth verse, it says this, When Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. And before it's all done, he will say, why don't, you, uh, why don't you go for a run? See if they can catch you. I want to suggest to you it's very hard for a few hundred of us to carry you to Jesus at the same time. But for friends, Jesus will say, seeing their faith. Are you connecting up in meaningful ways, in the small groups of growth, the deepening soil? It doesn't have to be formalized, but it sure could be. You ought to give it a try. Start your own if you'd like. But for most of us, myself included, that's difficult. It's hard to get it all going. So guess what? We're doing that together large group. This is not a, a, a nothing thing. This is important topsoil moments, but it's important because of the depth that we can get to. And so I just challenge you. We've put an awful lot of energy. We've put a lot of our resources into trying to create space so we can do this thing that will help us to grow. I just challenge you. It's there. And by the way, the devil would love nothing more than for you to stay away from small groups that are going to give you security when the thorns come love nothing more than to keep you from going deep roots with no rocks in the way so that when somebody has a challenging insight, you're ready. You've actually talked about this sort of thing before with others you trust, or you even have a place to go. You know, there's an interesting question. I'm not even sure quite what to do with it. I'd love to talk about this. Could we study on this together? All that we could grow deep together and that you and I would know as we move past this moment that God is calling us to our places. And if you and I have thought that our only place in our spiritual journey is to be in church at the worship corporate worship hour, we're missing out on the depth. So when God when God yells out, all right, everyone. Places, everyone. You have a unique place, and you know where it is. We've built places. We've committed to places. We've gone through the pain of moving a worship service to not conflict with the places. I plead with you. It's not a scolding thing. It feels a little bit like I know where the gold is buried. And I just want you to know, too, because there's plenty. And so, as we walk with Jesus, we do so in our large events. We do so in groups of hundreds. We do so in medium-sized events. But I challenge you to seek your group to walk in community side by side. Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity for us to dig around and consider what our commitments are. And we are, we are, by and large, we are not people who have heard your message and have remained uncommitted to you at all. We have absolutely moved past that first group on the seeds scattered on the pathway. Some of us have a lifelong journey in the deep soil, and we know what it means to us, and it has held us through disaster. It has encouraged us through trying times of our own theology. Many of us, Lord, we realize we are in shallow soil. We have been converted. We've been in the waters of baptism, and we value you, but... We're not growing all that much. Lord God, would you invite us into our places where we can have the depth of conversation, of Bible study together? of talking about what's real and the concerns and the give and take of a small group environment, we pray for it, Lord God, that you would give us not only a conviction, which is so easy to have, but some level of follow-through that would take advantage and make a difference. Lord God, I pray for all of our students in the room, wherever they're going, at whatever stage, and now especially for our Smart Start students. Because they're coming, some of them for the first, first time they've even been on this campus, they're coming hoping for a tremendous experience, hoping to be prepared for a career. But we know this too they need home, and they need it with us. And so, right now, we're going to walk across a sidewalk down to a gymnasium, eat some haystacks, but we're going to form some specific small groups right now, just to try to help take care of one another and create family and home. Lord, help us to find our places. In the name of Jesus Christ, who would tell us these stories, we say amen and amen. And so, pardon me, I won't linger today. I'm going to gather my things, and I'm going to race off to the gymnasium to be there with you. Happy Sabbath.